right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. The transfer portal is officially open. It is going crazy. Nick, have you entered yet? I'm I'm going to try to enter. Uh, see what it's about. And what are the? I mean, is there any? What are the qualifications for entering? Just that's a good question. Just put your name in there, and you're in. Sure. Then I'll be there. Yeah, I'm yeah, in. There's like hundreds of people. Yeah, you know, would, would somebody really notice if you found a way to to get your name in there? Probably not. Well, what if we just made ourselves like? I mean, listen. First of all, you're six five. You got great size. You could easily be like a four star <laughs> tight end. I mean, come on. Uh, over under one week before KU gets a commit from a transfer portal kicker or punter. Hmm, interesting. I guess over? I don't, I mean, th- this goes back to the discussion we had previously of like, how many kickers are in the transfer portal? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like other positions where it's like, there's going to be a lot of guys in there that are, maybe have some talent. Like, I wish it was publicly accessible. Like, what, like, I don't know. So that we could like see. I mean, how, yeah, how many, how many kickers are in there? And then we could just spend the next two weeks of our show. Analyzing all the kickers. Analyzing every kicker. We devote one segment for every kicker in there. Breaking down their tape, their stats, everything. Try to get them on the show, you know. Be great. I uh, mean, so I yeah. could probably kick a Well, I don't know. I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna say something <laughs> I don't wanna, I don't wanna say something too blasphemous. I could I could 25? kick a twenty five yarder probably. I don't think that's gonna get you a spot on KU. You don't think so? No, I don't. I could kick Maybe thirty. I could probably go for thirty. Would you? Would you rather have a kicker who makes one hundred percent, legit, like one hundred percent, never okay, misses? Yep, yep. If the kick is thirty yards or in, so he's going to make every PAT. He's going to make every give every give me field. Or let, let's give thirty five yards. Thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah, okay. Thirty five or in, but he has awful leg strength. So like he's going to miss most of the the kicks that are beyond thirty five. But he still could make them. I would probably make everyone. Or would you rather have a kicker? Would you rather have like Harrison Butker? Yeah, Harrison Buck is interesting. Which like misses usually, all the short ones. He's usually pretty good from yeah. deep, but he oh, obviously he missed on Sunday, which was annoying. But mm. he's normally pretty good from deep. But he does miss. He misses a lot of extra points for no reason. I would probably take the thirty-five and in hundred percent all the time because then you could just then you could just one hundred percent go for it every other situation where you're not inside of thirty-five. That's actually a good point. It would make you be more yes, aggressive exactly. outside. You would know. You'd be like, okay, unless we're kicking a thirty-five yard field goal. It's four-down territory all the way up until that mm-hmm. point. No, it's kind of like that question, too. I, I remember there's that question about if if you could guarantee a kicker made uh, like 90% or, or every kick, let's just say every kick, 70 yards and in. Like, would that kicker, that would kicker be a first-round pick, right? If you guarantee oh, yeah. he makes every single well, kick, 70 yards in. As soon as you get to midfield, you are in field goal range. I don't know. And he I makes mean, it. I, I guess every time, Nick. Every well, it's like Justin time, Tuck, like Justin Tucker. Like, what's Justin Tucker? How what much is great as Justin Tucker is? This guy is even way better. <laughs> he can kick it 
five to ten yards further, and instead of Justin Tucker being like, oh, I make you know eighty percent of my kicks fifty yards or long. No, he makes one hundred percent of them. What is that worth? I what think that's that worth? worth a first round pick. I really do. That's <laughs> wild, dude. If you made every seventy okay, yards, what about a, automatic? What about a punter who downs every punt inside the twenty? Um, Literally every punt. No matter what, see, no matter 20, where, it could be like the eighteen, which isn't like that big video. If you told me inside the five every time, well, that's hard to do. I know, but that's that's worth a first round pick, right? He, you're punting from your own twenty five, and he nails it inside their five every time, but not the twenty. No, I think there was the when they. I mean, obviously there was the off the field stuff with with Matt Ariza this past uh, yeah year, but there was an article that came out when he was putting up big numbers in the punting game at San Diego State last year that. Um, it was something ridiculous. Like teams, basically, when they start with the ball inside their, I forget if it was ten or fifteen yard line. Basically, the points per possession that you average in the NFL when you start at that point would make it so that the opposing defense would be the greatest defense in NFL history. So, I mean, if you could guarantee your punter can get it within, say, the ten every time, you're basically giving your defense so much of a slack to work with that it would make you have one of the better defenses in the NFL. So that is worth a lot. That really makes me very angry, but Mm -hmm. in a different way, in that that stat alone should prove why you should never, ever return kickoffs. Ever. (laughs) Okay. So stupid. (laughs) Don't return kicks. What did they do? What did they do wrong? I'm just saying in general. Okay. Just makes me mad. Back to that. Anyway, we have we have taken quite the uh, dive into the kicking game here. We have. I didn't mean to do that. KU's playing in the Liberty Bowl. Bang! I'm waiting for somebody to make like a, you know, give me liberty or give me death or, or something. I know that's not what he actually said. It's kind of mixing things together, but you have the Liberty Bowl uh, with like John Brown on it or something. Something about liberty with okay. John Brown. I don't know. Something there. T-shirt. Yeah, okay. Picture. Give me the Liberty Bowl mm-hmm. or or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So Liberty Bowl, it's going to be played at 4.30. I didn't realize this. Did okay. you know Memphis is on Central Time? I... I actually had meant to look it up because I wasn't sure. I was like 90% sure but, they were East Coast time. No, I, I think if you I think if you like, you know, told me to choose, I would have probably said Central time. But I wasn't sure. Well, they are. And I hadn't, right. I hadn't bothered to look it up yet and then now that you're telling me this, that's huge for me personally <laughs> because deal with East Coast I time. hate Eastern time. Yeah. So that's great for me. So it'll be uh 4:30 locally there and 4:30 here. If you're making the travel out there, you don't have to worry about the time change, which is certainly nice. It'll be Wednesday, December 28th. It's in Memphis, obviously. Um, For me, this was probably the least appetizing of the different bowl options that Kansas could have had. Like, forget who you're playing and that side of it. Yeah. Just from a standpoint of the destination and the bowl, this is the least appetizing for me. I, I would have really liked the Dallas Bowls both for, you know, my personal travel Christmas schedule and also, like, I just... Even the Phoenix one, the weather side of it, like in Memphis, yeah. it's probably still going to be similar to how it is here. Like maybe it'll be a little it warmer. It's, it's going to be warmer. Okay, but or I, I looked up the weather for this week in Memphis. It's apparently. probably not going to be warm enough where you're going somewhere where you're like, oh, thank goodness, I'm getting out of this Kansas weather, and now yeah, I, can I don't wear think a t-shirt. Yeah, I don't know? think it's just like straight t-shirt shorts. Weather. Yes, but I mean, it'll, it'll probably be at least sure, ten if degrees warmer. Thirty here, it might be forty there. Yeah, right? I would say it's at least ten degrees warmer, but maybe a little warmer compared to Dallas or Phoenix. It would have been a lot warmer. Um, you go to those other cities, like I don't know, a lot of people like to golf. Like maybe you could go golfing there. Um, I feel like there's Derek, you're overlooking 
something that Memphis has that no other city has. Which is? The, the country's largest bass pro shop. <laughs> okay. That's uh, certainly something. It's it, Look it up. It's a giant pyramid. It's a giant pyramid of mm-hmm. bass pro shop. Largest, yeah. in, largest in the country. No, I mean, if you're there, go visit it. I'm just, I, there's more to do for me, I would think, in Dallas and Phoenix. Um, also, when you look at the alumni hubs of the cities, Dallas is one of the biggest <laughs> alumni hubs outside of the local area. And Phoenix is actually a very big alumni hub for KU also. Not as much the case with Memphis. You also look at, like, flight options for a lot of people. Dallas would have been, like, going to Texas would have been the cheapest flight option for people as opposed to Memphis. So it's not the most ideal for me. It was the least appetizing. Um, But you're in a bowl game. Beggars can't be choosers. You went six and six. Unless you're you're Missouri. (laughs) Yeah, what's, what's the saying? You get what you get. You don't throw a fit. We'll do that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm very happy. And I will say this. The fact that I this was pointed out to me by Frank Saunders on Twitter. Yeah, there's like a $6 million payout if you win the Liberty Bowl. Most of the other bowls are around like $1 or $2 million. That's exciting. Also, the fact that the Liberty Bowl was the fourth pick for the different bowl games tied in with the Big 12. Okay. That means that obviously Kansas, Kansas didn't finish was fourth. A, was a team that... People wanted in their bowl games. Yeah, that means that that you know the Liberty well, Bowl. Again, I I mean I understand where you're coming from with all that with all that stuff about Dallas and Phoenix and whatnot, but I I mean honestly I don't think it. I mean I guess with Dallas being a major major hub, maybe it would matter a little bit, but I don't. In terms of like fan travel, I don't think it's going to matter that much. Like I think no, I, I think I, a lot I think of KU fans. Travel. I think a lot of KU fans were probably of the mindset of this is the first bowl game in 15 years. We're going wherever they go. Yes, and I 100% agree with that. I'm basically just saying like. It's good. You're in a bowl game. It's just not the perfect scenario, right? And it really we haven't been in a bowl game fifteen yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you want? No. What I, do you want? I, I what know. do you want? I know. You You picked KU to go three and nine. I know. And now we're in a bowl game. I know. And um, now it's oh, I wish we were in a better bowl game. No, it's not even the better bowl game. It's just that I wish there was a better. It was a better travel path. I don't know. Maybe the way or or somewhere that was more of a destination for me. Like I I don't. I don't really I mean, care I've about Memphis. I've never been to Memphis. Could be fun. Um. There's going to be a lot of barbecue talk, that's for sure. Yeah, as I mentioned last week, that is one thing I'm not happy about. <laughs> Anybody wearing Kansas gear, first thing that people are going to say is, you got to try some Memphis dry rub. It's mm-hmm. better than Kansas City barbecue. Yeah. But, but okay, a serious question, though. Do people outside of Kansas know, like, how close Lawrence is to Kansas City, do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Probably not. Like, if some, I like, think they just some know random it's person, nearby. I don't know. Some random person on the street. Do they know the proximity of Lawrence? Probably not. To Kansas City? Probably not. They probably, I, I'm sure there's or a lot of people that think. Do they just assume that? If, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I would have friends come out and visit me from California where I grew up, and they'd tell their friends back home in California, like, hey, I'm going out to Lawrence this weekend to visit a friend. They'd be like, why are you doing that? You're just out in the middle of nowhere because they, they've never been out here. So <laughs> there are a lot of people, like, from the coasts or, oh, yeah. or not from the area that might just think Lawrence is... Hey, we're in the smack dab middle of Western Kansas, where it's all yeah, you know, or, flat. Yeah, they they think that Western Kansas is not is, close is to Kansas City, right? Can- it's all of Kansas. So, yeah, probably. Um, but I do think the fact that you're, in, but I mean, Kansas City, it's in the name, right? Yes, so it's yes. like obviously so they people kind of are going to associate gonna, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I um, 
I we won't complain too much because again, I I just am saying those other ones could have been maybe a more perfect scenario. But you're you're six and six still. You had a bowl basically say we want you so bad that we're going to pick you above other teams that finished in front of you. Because it's a good story. Yeah, Can't exactly. It's a good story. And you flip that to again like the with the Missouri thing, where they basically said cowards. We want to pick our bowl game like we want to. We're gonna. That's so. That's so point stupid. Away at this. That's so stupid. So Kansas basically was in a position where they couldn't do that. You should not be allowed to quote unquote pick your bowl game. That's stupid. That's literally so dumb. <laughs> like, idiotic. Incredibly well, sometimes stupid. teams get offers to multiple bowls. No, it's dumb. <laughs> it's stupid. I think it's really stupid. Okay. And uh, I would have happily played. I would have happily played Missouri, even though I had stated publicly that I wasn't thrilled about mm-hmm. it. I would have happily done it. Well, they're going to be taking on the Arkansas out, Razorbacks. They're the cowards. And now it's the everybody's saying it's the battle for how to pronounce it. Um, Arkansas has got a really good offense. Just well, we'll we'll quick preview the game more tomorrow though. But okay, uh, just very quick thing about them: very good offense, defense that was very shady. Sounds a lot like Kansas. <laughs> got to duel with their quarterback. Do should you be an think, exciting game then? It should be. Yeah, the over under is 67 and a half. How about that? But listen, that? we if we if KU loses, we can't call ourselves Kansas. That's just not going to work. <laughs> no. That's just not going to work. Sounds horrible. Sorry. You mentioned which, by you the way, think what? There's oh, going to be good travel, which I agree with. I think yeah. KU will travel very well. Yeah. I think KU will have a good attendance. Do we think that at least let's say their half of the stadium is sold out? Okay. Oh, like just the KU sections sold out? Well, just that like half, I guess. I think I it could know. be, yeah. Because like, I my, think KU my question, will sell out their allotment that they give the school, but will, because there's more than just that one section. It's like, no, I don't I know, if you get the whole, if you just drew a line between the stadium on your <laughs> half of the stadium, is that side going to be Phil? I would think Phil'd so. Up. But like, my question is, do bowl games between two six and six teams normally sell out or no, fill up? No, they do not. I personally. So that's why I don't, my expectation would not be that it is going to be sold out. Well, I guess here's what I'm does saying. That, does that make sense? Kansas only filled up, I shouldn't say only, because it's still from where Kansas has been a very good number, but it was, what, 38,000 for the Texas game? That was senior day against Texas. I mean, you could say it was cold, but it's not going to be, again, it's not going to be warm for this one. It'll be warmer and than it was that, that was day. in Lawrence, whereas this one's going to be all the way in Memphis. I think this will be a... A solid turnout, like you said. Jayhawk fans are going to travel. They're I mean, what do you think? 20,000 KU fans? 25,000? I don't know how many of the stadium holds. Um, 30,000? Well, like total fans, yeah. No, no, I'm saying KU fans. Only KU fans. No, less than that. Less than what, 25,000? Less than 30. Um, I mean, again, it's it's kind of based on, I don't know how much the Liberty Bowl holds. I don't. Know, I don't even know what the name of the actual. Okay. Uh, capacity is Liberty Bowl fifty-seven thousand. If I'm looking at that right. So if it's fifty-seven thousand people, Liberty basically Bowl. for half of it to be full, yeah. Does Kansas get basically twenty-nine thousand, twenty-eight thousand? What do you think? No. You don't think so? No. Wow. No they faith th- in Kansas fans. They they only got. 10,000 more people for senior day in Lawrence against Texas eh. when the team was already bowl eligible. Yeah, but they're going to the bowl now. Again, I'm not like trying to call anybody out, and I'm not saying <sighs> it's going to be a bad they're attendance. They're going I'm to just, the bowl. 
You know what I'm saying? I just don't think it'll be a sellout. I mean, it kind of sucks that it's it's obviously right around Christmas also. But yeah. that could be good. People, they go home for Christmas. They spend Christmas with their family for a couple of days. Or maybe it makes it bad. And they just people are like, hey, I'm already out somewhere for Christmas. I can't afford go to go out somewhere to else, too. Do you, are you surprised at all that the Liberty Bowl took Kansas? Like, after the Missouri thing didn't happen. After Missouri no, was like, no, hey, we're not I'm coming. Not I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised from the sense that we kept seeing that pop up at, in, like, the different bowl projections. So it kind of numbs you to when you see it come across. But I, I was a little bit surprised from if you go back three weeks ago to after the Texas game when they did get blown out and they didn't have as good of attendance as the other games. And a lot of the fans there left There was Liberty Bowl people at that game. Exactly. Right? And so that I didn't think was going to send a good message. And then when Missouri was like, we're not playing, you wonder if the Liberty Bowl would be like, well, that was going to be the reason we invited you because we thought we'd have that great matchup. Now we'll go for somebody else. But I guess that wasn't the case. I guess no, it because, sounds like so they were uh, interested in them all the way back to here's, the summer. Well, here's what I will say. Six and six Kansas, to me, I guess I'm biased, but to me, is a way more compelling slash interesting team story than six and six Missouri. Like, are you kidding me? That's a joke, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kansas is six and six. They're going to the first bowl game in 15 years. They obviously had a great national story. They had college game day, all this other stuff. Like, I don't care who Kansas is playing. They still make for a great story, whether they're playing Missouri or Arkansas or whoever, whoever else you want to put up against them. So it's not surprising to me at all that, that the Liberty Bowl still wanted them because people are still probably going to watch or tune in or it's going to be an interesting story. Yeah. Right? I, no, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Kansas is playing Missouri or not. They have – they're the team that has the significantly more compelling story arc, a storyline of their season and everything. Like, they're just a much more interesting team than Missouri. Yes, you're 100% right. While like, 6-6 six six Missouri could just be any 6-6 six six SEC team, yeah, while, a.k.a. Arkansas. While most of the teams who are in bowl games, especially ones that are in bowls where they are 6-6, six 7-5, six, are going like, to be... Like, what are the storylines for those teams? They probably right, don't have very much. It, for Kansas, it's this redemption arc, and plus Lance Leipold is great as well. And a lot of those will be weathering the storm of losing guys in the transfer portal, seeing guys opt out for the NFL draft. This means a lot for Kansas, their first time back in there, and also Kansas doesn't have like that surefire high-round draft pick right now that you expect to be like, oh, I have to opt out of the game. That adds to it. Yeah, the like, fact that like, you do have that storyline, the fact like how that many, it is your first time in a while, like, all those reasons are why Kansas would be picked. And, and again, why you got that, I guess, nod of respect from the Liberty Bowl for them to say, yeah, we know that you finished in seventh or eighth of the conference, and we have the fourth pick here. We don't care. We love the story. Yeah, like how many 6-6 six and six teams have that level of, uh, you know. Cachet. Yeah, exactly. A storyline over the course of the season. And furthermore, to your point, how many six and six teams really, truly, deeply care about winning this their bowl game, right? Yeah, I mean, no, that's, I mean that's, not, that's not to say that you know six and six teams they just mm-hmm. phone it in for their bowls, but like Kansas is going to be fired up. No, like, that's, that's gonna a great be, point. They're going to be trying to really hard to win the game. And you know what else too? Like it's not just about we think of oh the Bulls trying to make money off ticket sales, right? It's also about merchandise sales. And if you're if you're a school that goes to a bowl game, like okay, Oklahoma, what bowl game is Oklahoma in? I don't They're, even know. And I can tell you, Oklahoma like fans probably don't even grade or something. Oklahoma fans probably don't even care. They probably don't even care what bowl they're in. Oklahoma is playing Florida State in the Cheez It Bowl. So maybe okay, that, this is a bad example because you would want to get Cheez It apparel with your team on it. I don't care who you are. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> okay, let's say uh, who's the team that also makes a lot of bowl games. Um, Oklahoma State makes a lot of bowl games, right? They're in the guaranteed rate bowl, 
right? They go to big bowl games. Uh, they go to New Year's Six Bowls bowl games. If you're Oklahoma State and you're an Oklahoma State fan, are you are you purchasing a bunch of guaranteed rate Oklahoma State T-shirts and gear? No, probably but if not. You're a because this fan it's from a think about it, okay, uh, no, that's a good example because like if you're gonna buy all if the you're gear, an Oklahoma you State fan and w- or if you're an Oklahoma fan, would you rather have would you rather wear your Sugar Bowl? gear from when you were in the Sugar Bowl <laughs> yes. six years ago, or would you rather buy a guaranteed rate bowl shirt from when your team had a terrible season by your standards to go 6-6? Six and six? I don't know why I picked another bowl team. I could have just done it with Kansas basketball. How often do you see people buying Sweet 16 shirts? Basically never. Exactly. It's because like, oh, well, I'll just wear shirt. my Final Four shirt or my National Championship shirt or my or Big 12 big, Championship yeah, big 12 shirt, cha- right? Yeah. yeah. So from that standpoint... All the Kansas fans going to the game, they're going to make. Yeah, I got to get a shirt. There's a first bowl in 14 years. Absolutely. I got to get this apparel. So uh, cool for Kansas. They're in the Liberty Bowl. Like I said, not my favorite of the picks, but you get what you get. Kansas is in a damn bowl game, so who cares? Yeah, stop complaining. Playing man. Arkansas. I uh, will have it for you. You can hear it on KLWN on December 28th. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, you said it going into break, pain last night. Uh, I guess last evening, better way to describe it. 27 24, <sighs> Bengals out on top. You didn't like my pun that I put on Twitter yesterday? No, I hated it. <laughs> Oh my god, man! Chiefs have to Stupid call him Cincinnati, Chiefs, man. Golly, Joe Burrow owns Patrick Mahomes. Bengals own the Chiefs. You were right. Skip Zach Bayless Taylor owns. Skip Bayless this morning. I told you, Joe that, Burrow should be the MVP. He's way nope. better. <laughs> Skip Bayless. Uh, now, as much as I don't subscribe to the whole the Burrow Mahomes thing, like this is not a a thing. There is something to the idea that the Bengals have something over the Chiefs, but also it's it's hard to feel that way because every this isn't no, this isn't like when the Patriots every time they played the Colts with Peyton Manning they would just paste them or shut down the offense. It's like the Chiefs just do something every single game where it's like, why'd you do that? Or you you lost yourself the game more than they won the game. It feels like that happens every time. Listen, the Bengals are a good team. A great team, yeah. even. Mm-hmm. One of the arguably top five teams in the NFL at this point. And they played a great game in all aspects. The offense was efficient. The offense was elite. The defense was solid. The Bengals played their best game of the season. They played a great game. And the Chiefs were up four with the ball in the fourth quarter. And the Chiefs did. The Chiefs were horrible in the first quarter. Really, almost into the second quarter. So, it's... <sighs> It's so frustrating because the Chiefs, I, I, I don't know, man. I'll say this: I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs have definitely reached KU basketball level of greatness. And here's what I mean by that: they get every team's best game every single time they play. Their opponent, every single time that they play the Chiefs, it's their best against the Chiefs. That's just how it is. Okay, and like I just said, the Bengals. Played their best game of the season, I think, against the Chiefs. Joe Burrow was incredibly efficient. He had over almost seventy percent completion percentage. He was he was amazing, and 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 there was a lot of plays where it was good defense by the Chiefs. Even on the even on the play that 
won the Bengals the game, the slam out to T. Higgins. That was elite defense by Joshua Williams. I don't know what else he could ask for them to do to defend that play. Right? The defense for the Bengals, also very solid. They didn't have any real special teams gaffes. They played an all-around great game. And the Chiefs, on the other hand, were asleep or weren't even in the stadium for the first quarter, basically. They roll up in the second quarter. They get to halftime. They turn it on in the second half. And they've got the ball up four in the fourth quarter on the road against arguably one of the top five teams in the NFL playing one of their best games. And the Chiefs had the ball up four in the fourth quarter. What does that tell you about the Chiefs? It tells you that the Chiefs, I think, are still the standard of the NFL. Yeah, I, I think you're right in that regard. Um, it certainly is frustrating because there's there's two trends that have carried over from the last two games. Like in the Bengals' AFC Championship, even as, as bad as you played in the second half and let them get into it, the Chiefs had the ball first in overtime, and they couldn't take advantage of it. And in this game, like you said, you're up four with the ball. You go down and get a touchdown, you probably put the them away. The game is over. You have the fumble, which, you know, you don't want to harp on Travis Kelsey because the the guy has done everything for you. MVP candidate, greatest tight yeah. end of all time. It's it wasn't uncharacteristic that it happened. Bad game for him, though. Yes, and then you look at um, the last drive too, where you can't go down and score. So, like as as great as the offense has been, it's those final drives they haven't been able to finish against the Bengals defensively. That was probably the. That or the Raiders game, uh, probably the Chiefs' worst was defensive bad, game of the was season. A bad defensive game. The Bengals. But had listen, it was a bad defensive game, mm-hmm. and they'd only given up twenty points. Yeah, up until they turned right. it, up until the Chiefs turned it over. But also, like I think it was a. a they, so the Bengals, it, it was more about efficiency. To where I, I don't view as much as the total. The Bengals had seven drives. Yeah, no, that's the game. what I'm saying. They had seven they, drives. They yeah. scored on six of them, and the only one they didn't score was on the fourth down stop. I mean, P Ryan was getting seven yards he of was. carry. Every Burrow, drive, they, Burrow, they burnt again, you down the Burrow field. was perfect. Mm-hmm. Literally perfect, right? And, I mean, the only real gaffe that the Bengals made was the drop touchdown by Tyler Boyd. I think what's what's most disappointing from the defense in that game, and this has been a theme every time you've played the Bengals, I don't know why. The Bengals had a horrible offensive line last year. This year, the offensive line, they signed a bunch of guys early in the season. They were even worse than they were last year. But by this point in the season, they've become a better unit than they were last year. They're still bottom uh, coming into the game. They were bottom five in the NFL in most sacks allowed. The Chiefs were top five in the NFL in most sacks four. And you could not touch Joe Burrow. And every time you blitzed, you brought a fifth or sixth guy, you didn't even get close to getting him either which is very problematic because now you're taking guys away from the secondary against some really good receivers. The Chiefs struggled to tackle the football, especially yeah. the linebackers and safety struggled. But when I look at it, that pass rush not being able to get anything on Joe Burrow, and again, this is a theme that's gone on the past few years or, or, or past few meetings against the Bengals, that's the biggest issue to me. You have to be able to uh, against uh, – because you turn one of their – like they're pretty much a perfect offense. They have the great receivers and skill players and quarterback. The one thing they don't have is the offensive line. And you turned their weakness into a strength when everything they, else they have is a strength. That's the problem defensively for last night. So I don't know how you figure it out, how you figure out how you get pressure in certain games because they've actually been good at that this season. They just weren't able to do it in that game. Now, offensively, again, it's... It sucks because the last two meetings with the Bengals, with the Kelsey fumble, and then the um, second half, Patrick Mahomes having maybe his worst half of football as a Chief, like 
That's what sucks. The the two losses to the Bengals, this isn't a, oh, Daniel Sorensen sucks moment. It's a, your best players on your team were the one that didn't step up for you, which again, I'm not like, it's not an indictment on those guys. Like it happens. It happens. Every Tom Brady throws interceptions on final drives too, right? Uh, we, we sometimes get the narrative game where it's just like, oh, well, if you're the best player in the league, then you should never mess up. No, like that doesn't happen. But that's what makes this, I think, even tougher to stomach for me that it almost feels like for when you play the Bengals and you've lost these games, it's not just that you've lost them or they've been big moments or they've cost you a trip to the Super Bowl. It's that it's like humanized the Chiefs into this team that has felt like it's just made up of a bunch of aliens and they're going to get everything done. And it almost feels like it's it's like a movie where you expect the good guy to win. And you're like, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, it's not looking good for them. But then when they actually lose, you're like crushed. You're like, wait, what? That wasn't supposed to happen. You know, and that's what it feels like when you've lost to the Bengals because of the fact that you have those superheroes and how you've lost the games and because, like we were just talking about, they're games that you very easily could have won and probably should have this won. Is, this is one of the dualities of being an elite team with the greatest player on the planet, arguably, is almost every game you lose, afterwards you're going to be thinking, man, how did we lose that? Or, you're, or there's multiple moments where you think, wow, should have won that game. I mean, legitimately, when's the last time the Chiefs lost a game and you walked away from it saying, yeah, I mean, was it the, I guess the Bucks Super Bowl, the Bucks in the Super Bowl, was that the last time where the, where the Chiefs lost a game and you and after the game you just sit back in your chair and you think, yeah, the Chiefs didn't have it. They weren't the better team. They, did, they didn't have it. They weren't in it. They, they didn't, they did, it was, that was it. I mean, is that is the Bucks Super Bowl the last time that you've had that you felt that way? I think Bill's regular season game, not this the one this year. This year it was back and forth. The one last year on Sunday Night Football, yeah, like they beat you pretty handily. But that, that's just. But my point is, is like that. This is just what this is. But yeah. just life as a fan or as a as someone who you know is it's with a reality the organization track, right? that every game you play where you don't come out on top, it just it just feels like you had chances where you should have won the game. Right, and so I think that really, really adds another level to the frustration. You know, forget about the Bengals specifically. I'm just saying, generally speaking, right? I mean, I think most Chiefs fans would easily argue the Chiefs should be undefeated right now. I mean, they were they had the ball down in the fourth quarter against the Bills, last chance to go win the game. The, the Colts, know, the Colts, Colts game is, was inexplicable, they're, they're tough, man. <laughs> the Colts game is inexplicable, yeah. and here again against the Bengals, you got the ball in the fourth quarter. Up four points on the road. A touchdown pretty much ices the game, and it falls apart. Yeah, and you're—I mean, you're—you're you're around midfield with the fumble. Um, do you, do you think we've we've underestimated it all? Not having McCole Hardman and Kadarius oh, yes, Tony, definitely, hundred percent. Yes, we—I think we severely underestimated the role of. I, okay, I'll say this. I don't think we've. I don't think it's necessarily a, a missing McCole Hardman or a missing Kadarius Tony aspect. It's more of in this game against the against against the Bengals, the Chiefs did not use hardly any jet motion laterally across the line of scrimmage, and with with McCall Hardman specifically, that's normally a pretty sizable chunk of their offense. Like you see a lot of motion from Hardman or Tony or whoever it is in that role on the offense. And to me, as I as I sat back and kind of reviewed the game mentally and thought about it, like 
that was clearly missing, clearly missing, right? And it clearly affected the offense. I mean, they weren't they weren't they weren't as effective. I think they ran a jet sweep one time with Sky Moore, and it actually worked really yeah. well. They got about 15, 20 yards out of it. But yeah, I think we underestimated. Again, I don't think we under I don't think we're underestimating like Miko Hardman specifically or Kadarius Tony specifically. It's more just having a guy with that ability with that as within that aspect of the offense. Clearly, it was lacking. The Chiefs didn't utilize it at all, probably because they didn't have any personnel they trusted to use it with. I mean, like I said, they ran it one time with Sky Moore, right? But they didn't have the personnel to use it probably the way that we've seen them use it in the past. So, yes, clearly a guy like Nicole Hardman, even though his role may, be, may feel insignificant at times, schematically, that aspect of the Chiefs offense, without a doubt, as it was, I think again, as it was evidenced by this game against Cincinnati, that that schematic aspect of the offense clearly benefits probably Travis Kelsey, the outside receivers. It it it's clearly a a pillar of the offense that was not there against the Bengals. I'm sure that it opens regular things up too. It just gives the defense something else to think about. I think where it really hurt them is in the red zone. They had the first drive of the game. They get stopped to a field goal which I'll, I'll get into the decision of that in a second here. But drives like that where the Chiefs had been a, a top three red zone offense until the Rams game and the Bengals game, which certainly is interesting because yeah, I mean, I mean, now, the Bengals I mean, coaches are from the Rams coaching tree, so I wonder well, if and they also, found something. I'll be honest, the Ram, watching the Rams game, I wasn't paying attention that closely to the amount of jet motion or stuff the Chiefs ran in that game. It, but it, how many it might times be have we a seen that in the red zone? It you know, might, McCole Hardman on a jet sweep. Well, that's what I'm saying. It might be. I mean, and you think about the in the red zone against the Rams, they only they went had six trips, and only scored one touchdown. So I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch the Rams game and see how much they use it there. Because if it was lacking there, and now here it's lacking again, and in this game it's it's a bit more at the forefront of your mind a little bit. That that's an interesting thought. Yeah. So I definitely think it hurt them there. Now, as far as the decision. I didn't understand kicking that first field goal to begin with. It was fourth and three. It's it's one thing if you are playing the Rams in that situation. Like, sure, take the points. You're playing a Bengals team that their offense is very good. It is very talented. And you're already trailing 7 nothing at that point. I don't know why they didn't go for that. And obviously, you're not going to get every fourth down. Like, you can't make your decisions based on, well, I liked the decision when they went for it, and I or, or when they got it, and I hated the decision when they didn't get it. It's a process-oriented thing. But they also should have gone for the fourth down at the end of the game. You're down by three. Even if you, which to begin with, it's a 55-yard field goal for a kicker who has struggled this year with Harrison Bucker. And not, um, not from range. No, though. not from range. So, yeah, that, that is true. Which is but even funny. if you make the kick, you are now tied, and the other team has that offense that you haven't stopped all game with two, three minutes left. So I don't love that decision. I don't know why they didn't go for that one. And so if you just go for both of them, Maybe you don't get one of the two, but if you just get one of the two, you know what the score of that game is? 28-27 instead of 27-24. If you get a touchdown on one of the two drives that you either kicked a field goal and made it or kicked a field goal and miss it, you're up 28-27 instead. And it completely changes some of how that game goes and how it's managed throughout different points of the game. So I just, but that that's frustrating because I, I know it's like, it's one of those things where it's tough for me to go too much into the decisions of why are they not being more aggressive. You have Patrick Holmes go for it on fourth down because as much as it's true, 
it's something that it's like never going to change. That's just who. That's Andy Reid at this point. No, he's, he's been uh, a coach no, I, for thirty years. That's what I was going to so say. So it's almost like, like, why are we complaining about it? That's that's what I was going to say. It's like for for as creative as Andy Reid is, for as flexible as Andy Reid is in terms of his offensive schemes, like, are we surprised? No, that he decided like that's that's just what he's done. That's just who he is, right? And it's like it's like asking for. It's like it's like it's hey, like with Bill hey, Self. Jody Bill Fortson, Self the, can you be three inches taller? Well, it's like, like no. Bill Self, the same thing. Bill Self loves to he loves to have a big guy inside. He loves to try to establish the post play, right? It's the same concept, right? Like even 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 when uh, from an outside frame perspective, you're like, dude, you don't have a post guy. Why are you still trying to get it at the post? It's the same concept, same idea, right? It's he it's a Hall of Fame coach who, for all of his creative and flexibility and everything with the offense, there are certain things that he's just stubborn with. And I don't know. I mean, maybe Patrick Mahomes or whatever, you know, in their meeting today or whatever, maybe there's a discussion to be had of, hey, let this guy, let Patrick Mahomes off the leash, let him do his thing, man. Let let him let, let him let him let the best player on in the world potentially, certainly on your team, let him be the guy that decides whether you win or lose. Well, the it's game. just small things too. Instead like of at the end of the first of half, instead of Nick Bolton trying to tackle Jamar Chase. Yeah. On well, a third and six. Well, like the end of the first half, you use all your timeouts to try to stop them, which I believe was the right move. But the idea was that was, hey, if we stop them or when yeah, we get the I ball mean, back, we can go score before half. I was fine just, with that. I, I was fine with them not trying to score there. I mean, I was, I, I honestly was fine with that. Like, no, I agree. Like using the timeouts and stuff was smart, mm-hmm. but I was but fine if you're doing with that, them doesn't not that signal being aggressive. You're gonna go for it. I don't know. Maybe it was based on field. I position. mean, if you're backed in your own ten, yeah. I was. I was. But they had like a ten yard run the first play. Hurry up! To, I don't. I don't know. I, I, mean, was, I was fine with that's that. nitpicking. I mean, I would obviously like going for points would have been cool, <laughs> but I wasn't upset that they just decided to let it go to half. I How about this, about by it. the way? Because Orlando Brown struggled big time. He continues to kind of get whooped against like Trey Hendrickson. Most pressures allowed by an offensive tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, number one in the NFL. Orlando Brown Jr. with 39. Number two, Andrew Wiley with 37. So the Chiefs have the, Chiefs have the two worst, and, and just in terms of that stat, that's not everything, but yeah. just in terms of giving up those pressures, that's, that's I mainly just feel bad at this point because, I mean, when you look think about Orlando Brown, like he, he basically bet on himself, right, to have a great year, to get a big contract, and it just hasn't worked out for him. You know? But so now if the Chiefs really still give him bad. a giant contract, even if it's not as big as what they previously offered. I think they would I think they would just try to lowball him. Lowball him as low as that's, they could go. That's gonna be like the worst thing ever from a Twitter standpoint when that happened. By the way, Isaiah Pacheco though, if if you want a little positive, good. Again. Didn't used to be a nice trend. He's good. That really allowed the still, still a psychopath. The Bengals still did like the three man rush or just the four man rush. Everybody sit back at certain times, but they couldn't do it as much because of that. You're right. He's a psychopath. Like the one play where he got knocked out of bounds maniac. really hard. He's immediately he just kept he just started running around. <laughs> Unbelievable. I just don't understand. You know who he is? Isaiah Pacheco is the He's guy the from. Uh, that works too. The guy from. Gosh, why am I blanking on the movie name? Um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He is the the is it the Dark Knight or no that's Batman? Oh, the uh, guy the that Black loses Knight. his legs. The guy, yeah, loses this his legs. This is a flesh wound. Yes, that is Isaiah Pacheco. You could you it's could rip wound. his arm off, and he's just gonna get back up and be like, "I'm fine. Give me the ball. I'm ready, Andy. Okay, Take me. Well, that's fine. Stop <laughs> having him return kickoff. Stop. Don't <laughs> put him back there anymore. Let him do other things. I thought he had don't have him return kickoff. Kick kick no. But yeah, so stop returning kickoff. Just to wrap this up. Um, big picture, 
I Chiefs do are, think Chiefs are fine. Yeah, Chiefs are fine. You're nine and three of the easiest schedule in the NFL. Certainly, you don't love that you. The Chiefs have never been more fine. Well, I I do think if if you didn't lose both times the Bengals last year, this isn't that big of a deal. It's a good team losing to another good team in a close game on the road. The fact that you lost both to the Bengals last year, it kind of added to the drama. I everything. I don't care about that. But it basically just tightens your margin for error now because. You can't lose. You need to win out if you won the one seed because now you don't have the tiebreaker against Buffalo or Cincinnati. Those two teams still play, by the way. Buffalo's got a pretty tough yeah, schedule. You, you want to be a Bengals fan at this point. But I don't think you can, if you lose one more time, you need the Bengals the, or the Bills to lose twice and the Bengals to lose once. I don't think you can bank on that. So win out, hope Buffalo loses once, which is very possible. That's all still very my biggest, plausible. My biggest forward. takeaway is the Bengals played an absolutely perfect game and the Chiefs had the ball with the lead late. Yeah. And could have won. That's my takeaway. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. Case of the Mondays, next. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I supposed to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Time for another edition of Case of the Mondays here on RCST. But first, if you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, venue 1235, a large climate controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and covered patio, has you covered, located right off I 70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. All right, into our Case of the Mondays. A little bit of Case of the Mondays for. I'm sure us after the Chiefs game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things not being awkward for college football coaches. Because they are awkward. Louisville head coach, <laughs> Scott Scat- Satterfield, is no longer the Louisville head coach. He left for Cincinnati, which two years ago, you would have been like, that's a that's a downward yeah, move. You're going from an ACC school to a group of five school. Now that Cincinnati is joining the Big 12. Big 12 I know there's, there's further proof that the Big 12 is ahead Superior. of the rung of the ACC, oh, yeah. right? Easily. 100%. So he leaves for Cincinnati. He'll be in the Big 12, but I guess, Louisville next year. Louisville and Cincinnati are long-standing that, rivals. Yeah, that's interesting as well. So that on its own is awkward. You know what's more awkward? They're, They're playing in a bowl game. <laughs> wow. How convenient. Uh, could you imagine if he like he starts the game? He's he he says, "Hey, Louisville, he's like I'm, wearing I'm gonna... Louisville stuff," and then like like well, Superman just, imagining... just rips it off. What if I mean, if he wants to get Cincinnati? Cincinnati's nine and three. They win the game. They get to a ten win season. He starts the game and he's like, "I want to coach us in the bowl game," but he does that as a sleeper cell. He's leaking information to the Cincinnati coaching staff, and then at halftime, he goes in the locker room and is like, "Peace," and then he is the Cincinnati coach for the second half. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways he could do it. <laughs> he could, uh, like I said, he could go out in Louisville stuff and like rip it all off. And be like, Rah, I'm actually Cincinnati's coach. He could, could be like uh, a WWE like event, exactly. Type of thing. No, yes, he should take. Yes, okay, no, he should take a steel chair and smash it over the back of the Louisville mascot. Yes, 
right? Like they like he comes so he comes out with the Louisville mascot. They do like their little like a handshake or something, you know what I mean? Like something that's like, oh yeah, we're brothers. Like they hug it out, right? The mascot like turns around dramatically and then he just comes out with a steel chair and just I love this. I love this. See, I'm all for that, but Boom. that certainly is awkward. Uh, how about Deion Sanders, who was the coach of Jackson State? He took the Colorado job and basically like imploring the players. Well, okay. To, yeah. I don't know. It depends how it, you interpret this. Yeah, I mean, well, and also the there was a video of it or audio of it that was kind of, it's kind of clipped to where it makes it seem like he's like, you guys suck. Get out of here. Which I don't know that that's exactly what he's saying, but did you want to get to the audio? Yeah. So, yeah, we have the audio. This is him in their little auditorium kind of area speaking to the players. We got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. And it's Louie. Okay. It ain't going to be no more of the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get him, it's gonna be changed. So I want y'all to get ready to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're gonna get. Okay, so him basically being like, you know, you can jump in the portal, like I'm gonna be bringing on other players that, you know, are Louis Vuitton luggage and you guys are, uh, he didn't say the, this part of it, but you guys are just basically like a duffel bag you that you suck. found at Kohl's. Um, trash. Get out of my program. No, I, I mean, they that. were horrible. They were horrible. They were like maybe the worst team in Power 5. So it's not like he's not necessarily wrong in certain ways. And I'm sure he's going to get, I mean, they're, they're going to probably be the biggest winner from the, the transfer portal opening up, right? Like a bunch of people are going to want to go play there. Yeah, you would think. You would think. It's a beautiful campus. You have Deion Sanders there now. There's the opportunity for immediate playing time. Boulder, Colorado. But that's certainly awkward, to say the least. And yeah. then Eli Drinkowitz just kind of keeps calling out the whole Liberty Bowl thing, Kansas, Lance Leipold. They're going to lose by 100 to Wake Forest. I hope. I, I, yeah. Missouri, really? Idiots. Can't stand those guys, man. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just dumb. They're just dumb idiots. Oh, we don't want to play in the Liberty Bowl. Who's coaches? Yeah, okay. Go lose in whatever the hell bowl you're in now. Thanks. I don't want to talk about Missouri anymore. Okay. We don't well, have I mean, we can. We can still. We can still. We can still. Uh, I don't know. What else you got? Anything Anything you want to add to well, that? Well, that's, that's the ones that come to mind in terms of uh, okay. being awkward. Uh, I mean, anytime you get a chance to knock on Missouri, I'll do it. Sure. I don't know if you saw this. So on Friday night, UTSA <laughs> was playing North Texas in the Conference USA title game. Case of the Mondays for UTSA fans getting their tailgate on. There were undercover cops going around <laughs> the UTSA tailgates giving people citations. Yep. I don't know what for. Is it, were they I finding it was people like underage? Open containers? So, maybe? <laughs> or like public intoxication that's crazy a tailgate i don't know i don't know but i did see the story i saw the story maybe is it like an on camp no it can't be on campus no because they, they played the it Spurs at, play, uh, right? yeah well it's in san antonio so yeah. it's basically a home game for utsa i guess at that point right yes so i don't know but i did see this and it is wild 
Like, imagine going to Arrowhead Stadium. Like, going into the Arrowhead parking lot. And being like, um, excuse me. You're getting citation right? for public intoxication. Dude, that is unbelievable. It would be a riot. Well, it's like, do we not have better things that, you know, the police department can go do? Like, solving crimes yeah, or we're, preventing we're crimes gonna, or taking yeah, calls? We're gonna be we're going to be the no-fun police. Literally. Yeah. Literally the no-fun police. Yeah. Shame Ooh. on the... The, those people. Uh, so that sucks for the <laughs> UTSA. They're just trying to get their tailgate on. They're yeah. off its title game. Yeah. They're ranked now. Case yeah. of the Mondays. They were not ranked before, which is kind of wild. For the future Texas Rangers. Not the current Texas Rangers. The future Texas Rangers might be eating this a little bit. Jacob DeGrom signed a five-year. It's worth like $185 million, but with different incentives, it can be worth up to $220 million. So over $40 million per year. For Jacob DeGrom, he is a 34-year-old pitcher who has pitched less than 200 innings the past two years combined, has constantly been injured. He is, when he's pitching, the best pitcher in the MLB. So, I mean, when he's out there, and for this year, it's going to be great. But I can't imagine 37, 38, 39-year-old Jacob DeGrom is going to hold up very well. But, hey, that's a future you problem. So you're saying it's bad that they signed him because he's going to be not, he's going to be made of glass in the next couple years. Well, possibly. I'm also on the standpoint of in baseball where you have no salary cap, especially if you're a big market team. Like, Texas doesn't play as a big market team like the Yankees or Red Sox, but they are probably that next tier of team where if they want to spend that level, they can spend that next tier. They obviously have the money being in in Dallas or Arlington. And I never get on a team in the MLB for spending money on a player. Because if, if you want to win, you're an owner, you can afford it, go out and do it. So even if you're hurt on the past few, uh, the last few years of the deal, if you're a good owner, you should be able to overcome that. So I'm not saying this is a bad move. I would have loved for, like I'm a Giants fan, I would love for the Giants to do the same thing. And even if in those final few years, you're like, I can't believe we're paying him this much. But you kind of pay for it up front. I'm just saying it's probably not going to look good in a few years. Interesting. But if, he, if he helps them, like, you know, win the playoffs. Yeah, what if they or, win a World Series? Then it's worth it. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. It's just a future you problem. Okay. Just the future Texas Rangers. Uh, other MLB signings, though, by the way, the Mets basically were like, oh, we lost to Grom. We'll just take Justin Verlander. Two years over $80 million. <laughs> Crazy to see the, the amount there over just a two-year contract, but he's been... Really good. And then uh, Trey Turner just signed an 11-year deal for $300 million with the Philadelphia Phillies. So are the Phillies legit now? I mean, they just went to the World Series. They yeah, were, but like, are they actually like? Yes, I think so. be able to make it back again? They won 87 games. You add Trey Turner, who's a player who's expected to be somewhere between like 5 to 8 war. Puts you as a 90-win team. She'll put you back in the playoffs. And they, they have such a, a power base team having a guy who can get on base to add to all the home runs they hit and steal bases that's going to be a huge pickup for them okay case of the mondays the transfer portal it is in overdrive right now yeah there's like but earlier this morning there was like 700 players already in the portal by like 11 30 yeah this is i i mean i'm, I'm just waiting so. for the next wave of like the ku players to show up there because i'm, I'm sure that's gonna happen but also yeah, we're gonna so. get a wave at some point of players coming into ku yeah oh yeah for sure yeah so it's it's a it's a give and take and i think for most fans like i don't think you need to be overly concerned about the transfer portal in that sense you know what i mean like and, unless it's like your whole team 
you know. But if it's like three or four guys, you're going to get three or four guys back. It probably all balances itself out anyways. Yeah. And in some cases, you're you're going to upgrade, at least in terms of your, your win-now ability. I, uh, I, I think the numbers that we're seeing in it right now are, are mostly fueled by a couple things. One, NIL is obviously going to play a big role in oh, a yeah. lot of this. Oh, yeah. That's number one. Number two, we've we already saw a bunch of guys transferring anyway, so it's it's I guess the the playing time thing, but uh, that wasn't what I wanted to go with with number two. I think it's right now you just have a, a bigger pool of players, right? I mean, until the the extra year gets filtered out, which oh. won't be for what two or three yeah, years the, the, down the, the road year. with the COVID year, yeah. where you have an extra class of players in college. It's gonna That's true too. That's true too. continue to kind of add to the numbers. Uh, how about this? Case of the Mondays for Colorado Boosters checkbooks. This is hilarious. This is something that you just, if yeah, you're the AD, I've never seen this. you just don't do this. And yeah, I, You I, don't I say this. Never expecting to say this. So Colorado Athletic Director is Rick George. Obviously, as we mentioned, Deion Sanders is their new coach. He was asked at a press conference how Colorado came up with the money to hire Deion Sanders. He said, quote, we don't have the money yet. <laughs> But I know we'll have it, so I'm not worried about that piece. End quote. What happens if they Dude, don't? What? I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will get the money. The guys are going to donate. It's a big deal. But like, but like could you imagine you if they didn't? Well, like, and that's just you don't just you just don't say that. You just be like, oh yeah, we're happy he's here. Yes. Period. Or you just don't even you don't need to elaborate. Yeah. You don't need to say. No, just be. Oh, we're well, actually here's, really here's broke. The, here's we, the answer. You just be like. When you have a coach like Deion Sanders out there, you make it work, right? There you go. Boom. Boom. Problem um, solved. Instead that, of saying, we don't have enough no, dude, money. Could you imagine? What do you mean? Like, could you imagine it's October and Deion Sanders brings in all these big-time players and Colorado's off to like this surprising 4-0 start? What if it's, and, like, a, what if it's like a holdout? Yeah, like you see in the NFL, right, but it's like right. Deion Sanders holding. He's like, I'm not going to coach my team. Yeah, you see a story where it's like Deion Sanders hasn't received his past two paychecks and is now leaving the team. <laughs> or holding out, yeah. That's yeah, that's funny. That, I just they'll pay that's up. boggling to me, mind-boggling to me that you would say something like that. Like that that he might need to take a PR class or something. Uh, case of the Mondays, you wanted to put Nick Saban on there. Yeah, case of the Mondays for Nick Saban because he goes on Fox during the uh, I think it was during it was the, the Big Ten Big Championship, Big Ten Championship game, like halftime. And they ba- Fox first of all, it should be for Fox really. Fox just decides we're just going to give Nick Saban a platform to blab about how his team should be in the playoff. Yeah, who, I, who cares? I and then think- you get snubbed. See ya. I think that's the bigger one for me. It's why are you doing this? Yeah, it, the Fox? whole thing was dumb. I don't blame Nick Saban. Because what do you want him to say? Our I want him doesn't to deserve not, in the playoffs. I want him to not. I guess it is Fox's fault then. I yeah. just don't want him to be on there to begin with. Right. Because Nick Saban's not going to. Once you give him the invite, he's not going to go on and be like. No, I understand that. You know, I mean, what's he going to. You know, I, I get that. Okay. So it's not so much yeah, Nick it's Saban. Fo- yeah. it's, it's Fox. So yeah, shame on Fox. Fox, uh, what are you doing? Case of Mondays for overbetters. Okay, I mean, just this is hilarious. Killed this year, but this is hilarious. This may be the, the Giants creme de la creme. Commanders game, tied at twenty, going to overtime. The number to get forty and a half. You're half a point short, tied at twenty, going overtime. You think, oh, we're golden. Surely this is this this is gonna this is gonna cash easily. Wrong. <laughs> Ends in a tie. 40 points, 20 to 20. I mean, that's so bad. That's like one of the worst. That's one of the worst beats I've ever seen in my entire life. That's, that's, I just, I'm, I'm Well, sick. both teams had 
Like it felt like. But they had like even four possession too. You had. Yes. It felt like one. It'd be like one. You needed gets one point. Yeah, with two one. and a half minutes left, and it's like, oh, they didn't score. Well, the other team got it with a minute and a half left. Oh, they didn't score. Now the other team still got another chance. Thirty seconds left. That was crazy. Case of the Mondays. Russell Wilson's bathrooms. Bathroom watch. Twelve bathrooms. Wait, wouldn't this make it Russell, Russell Wilson? Wilson? Oh, I guess you're right. Bathroom still winning. Oh. Touchdown. Well, you know. Okay. Well, anyways, the, the bottom line is the Broncos stink. That's what I really want to get to. The Broncos stink. You said they were going to win like 12 games. You said they were going to win like 15 games. You said they were going to win the Super Bowl. And now here they are. I not say that. They have three wins. They're three and nine. And I was right all along. What did I say? They were going to win five games. They might not even yeah. win five no, games. No, they might. No, I actually, like, looking back, I still feel like I was fine with my process because my process no. was... How do you figure? I, I just got the wrong result. My process was the Broncos are going to have a really good defense. Objectively, they have. I mean, they're, they're top five They have a good defense NFL, every right? year. Well, that was my process. It was they have a good defense, and they've had a good defense, and they've been okay. They've been a, you know, seven-win team. Now you add a quarterback who is, I mean, league-wide, he was known as a top 10, maybe even higher than that quarterback. So it was like, oh, if you add that, why would they not win 11 or 12 games? But the answer that I did not know, that's why I'm fine with my process, and I'll, and I'll eat it. Like, I'm wrong on predictions all the time, but that's not one where I'm like, <laughs> I'm killing myself over. I'm just like, I would do it all over again if I could, because I, there's no way I would have predicted that Russell Wilson was going to be, like, legit one of the five worst starters in the NFL, TDs, right? TDs, passes, yeah, the exactly, number of bathrooms, bathrooms he has in, in his mansion. That was the whole point of the story. Certainly he has eight touchdown me. passes this season, and he has 12 bathrooms. Not the first more bathrooms than TDs. He's Nick Springer. That's embarrassing. I'm Derek Johnson. Switching gears, KU Women's Basketball, Terry Nooner, associate head coach, going to join us on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, and joined now by Terry Nooner, the associate head coach for the KU Women's Basketball team. 7-0 start to the season for the Jayhawks, and quite the week last week, 32-point victory against Texas A&M. 37-point win on Sunday yesterday against Southeast Missouri State. Uh, Coach, does it feel like last week kind of showed what the potential of the team can be when when all things are clicking? Yes, I mean, it did. We, I mean, that's something we've been working towards, and we won the, the uh, whole Brandon Toad uh, speech and, and idea before the game was we wanted to make a statement. Now, I don't think any of us expected us to play that well or to win by that margin of victory. I don't, I don't think it was really connected to a margin of victory. It was just a chance for us to show against the BCS Power 5 conference opponent um, all the hard work we we put into it and that we just really wanted to send a statement to our fans, to our team, to the country, that we're going to be a team that people have to deal with this year. So what was maybe the lesson to take away from the game in terms of, hey, if we do this well, then that's what can happen? I think the biggest thing was um, just the amount of uh, I think the amount of focus that we had going into, into the game. Um, I think it was pretty big. Like our preparation was probably some of our best preparation we've had scout-wise leading to an opponent that we've had this year. Um, we were pretty locked in throughout the practices, the shoot-arounds, and like everybody really knew the scout real well. So I think that was important. And then just the fact that how many how many different weapons we have and how deep we are. And if we play team ball and we share the ball, it's hard to just take away one thing from us because we have so many different weapons. 
Talking with Terry Nooner here, associate head coach for the KU women's basketball team. Uh, Yvette Mayberry, transfer from Tulsa. She's averaging about 11 points per game. She had double digits in, in both games last week. How do you think she's acclimating over, and, and what does she bring to the table for you? I think she's acclimating well. She, I mean, she had she started out pretty well throughout the offseason and then the fall, and then she had like a foot injury that she had to sit out for a while. So she kind of, you know, kind of lost her conditioning a little bit. Um, but I think she she just brings an element of speed um, that we haven't really had from from that position. I would say um, the ability to, to lock down and pressure and play great defense at the point guard position is also great. Her ability to you know knock down threes and make plays and transition. So she's a I mean she's a complete three level scorer and she can guard her position real well. And her level of speed has been a huge addition for us. And then in another case of, because, I mean, we've spent so much time over the course of these interviews, and deservedly so, talking about, you know, Holly Kerskeeter and Tyana Jackson and Zakiya Franklin. Uh, but you saw Sana Strom step up last game, 13 <laughs> points against yeah. Southeast Missouri State. How have you seen her improve into the year, and what can she provide for the team? I mean, I think she's, she's probably our best, uh, especially as a bigger wing. She's one of our best on-ball defenders. She really worked hard in the offseason, and um, it was a testament to how, how, I mean, she played great during the preseason, even before the games had started, which is why she was in the starting lineup. When we played Arkansas, we were playing our exhibition games. She was probably our most consistent player. But her ability this year to be able to knock down open threes and just pressure the ball and play great on-ball defense is probably her biggest asset to the team. Well, it's another big week ahead now. Arizona on Thursday in Tucson. That's a ranked opponent on the road. And then Sunday back home against Wichita State. Starting with the Arizona game, what do they do well? What's going to be challenging for you guys? And and what areas of the game do you guys have to succeed in to come out on top? Well, they score almost... It was it was ninety points a game to yesterday. They dropped to eighty eight point one. So just a high scoring, fast paced team. They have at least five players that are all average over in double double figure points a game. Um, they score about twenty eight points a game off turnovers. So it's going to be real important that we take care of the basketball. We're going to have to score because they score so well. Um, they're great off the dribble, great in ball screen offense. They pressure the ball. Um, they don't really, it's not a lot of gimmicks with them offensively. They're just, they believe that their players are better than your players and they're going to try to beat you off the dribble, um, make you turn it over and that kind of thing. So we got to make sure we take care of the basketball, got to make sure we dominate the paint and keep them from scoring in transition. Does that impact at all when you play a team that, that wants to play at a faster pace in terms of maybe the rotation or trying to keep bodies fresh over the course of the 40 minutes? Uh, not really. I feel like, I mean, we have a real deep roster. I mean, because one thing we haven't, like, we had the, the great win last week against Texas, I mean, Texas a and and we still have Ioana and Mia who are out, who were two big, you know, Ioana's three-year starter and Mia's probably our best knockdown shooter. So we're, I mean, we still are missing a couple real important pieces. So I think we have the depth to be able to match up with anybody and we want to play fast. So I think that's going to be right up our alley. I was going to say, I'm sure uh, some of the players are, are kind of excited for that because I'd imagine, <laughs> especially if you're a, you're a guard getting to run up and down the floor and <laughs> get quicker shots, it's probably a, a fun prospect. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun matchup. They haven't, it's, it's, they have a 
super long non-conference home winning streak that that you know that's his stay for them. Um, they're kids that we've recruited and seen through the you know AAU circuits and that kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be a big challenge for us, but we're excited. And then on Sunday, back home against Wichita State, same kind of question there. I, I don't know how much you've you've gotten prepped for Wichita State because obviously Arizona is the one right in front of your guys' face. But um, is this kind of good preparation for conference play? The fact that you're going to play both of those opponents within a three day span, where you get the turnaround, one on the road, one at home against two quality opponents. Does does that help you get ready for Big Twelve play? Oh yes, it does. I think in for our team with. You know, like why then some of the new people? Because we're gonna have to get ready for Wichita State on a one-day prep. So that's kind of getting you geared up for conference play. And you know, it's an in-state game. Um, they Wichita State played us tough last year, so it's gonna be. I mean, it's important for us just for in-state bragging rights and the fact that we know that they're gonna be gunning for us and going to come up here on our home floor and try to knock us out. So it's gonna be great for conference play. When do things? start to, I guess, shift over the course of the season from the non-con to conference play in terms of, I don't know, preparation or, or players, maybe the younger players or newer players starting to feel like it's clicking. Does that does that happen around this time of year when maybe you do have a little bit more time off once we get past like finals week? Or is that something that, that maybe you more notice once we get to say, I don't know, February or March? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the, the times where you can make your biggest improvement as a program because once once uh, finals are over, there's no limits on practice time, so you have more opportunities to watch more film. The kids aren't in class, so they don't have academic responsibilities. So we have more times to kind of have our hands on them to to be able to you know more skill development, more more fine tuning and tweaking what we have in place just to get ready for conference play. I think um so I think this is a huge time for us during the break time that that most teams the teams that are playing great the end of January or February are teams that take advantage of this time that we have before classes start back up once finals are over. We're talking with Terry Nooner, associate head coach for the Kansas women's basketball team. They take on Arizona on Thursday, Wichita State on Sunday. You can hear both games right here on KLWN. Uh, I got some fun questions to finish for you here. We're in kind of the holiday part of the season. Do you have a favorite Christmas or holiday memory? Uh, pra- Christmas holiday memory. Uh, I'm trying to think. Probably most of mine are in, in, in my family. Christmas was really like a big time uh, uh, with my mother. She always tried to surprise us with presents, and we would have a bunch of presents under under the tree. So I would just say, just probably Christmas time and the time to be able to go back and be with our families was was probably some of my best memories. My sophomore year, we played in the Rainbow Classic, I believe. So I remember being in um, being out in Waikiki for for a Christmas, which was, that was pretty cool for me. <laughs> yeah, can't complain about that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, which coach is most likely to bring in holiday treats for everyone around the office? Morgan. She makes like muffins and, and she makes, she bakes stuff. Do you, do you have a, a requested item? <laughs> uh, she, I, I don't. It's these muffins. I don't know what they're called that she makes that are real good. That 
everybody in the office and and the players like she makes them for all of us and we we kind of dominate them. I would say those, and then um, Brooke, who's uh, our front office staff, she makes these these like peanut butter cookies with these Hershey's on top. That I try to steal those before everybody gets to those. <laughs> Uh, rank, rank these three for me. We got candy canes during the Christmas season. We got candy corn during Halloween and peeps during like the spring Easter season. How would you rank those three out? What was the third one? Uh, peeps, like the marshmallow little. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble because I, I, I see the slander on, on social media. I'm like a huge candy corn person. Okay, <laughs> so so I, I'm and I'm so I'm huge candy corn and I'm huge of the like the fruity type candy canes. I don't really like the peppermint ones. Like I like the ones that are like rainbow color, red and yellow, and that are kind of like fruitier ones. So that would be my number two, and and then Peeps would be number three. But I candy corn for me the the regular ones, not the one with the brown on the top. Like I like the ones with the yellow on the top, and I like the pumpkins. That is like the candy corn flavor. So I'm a. So don't get me talked about real bad on social media because I picked candy corn number one. <laughs> it's a very divisive uh, conversation. There's there's going to be plenty of people on your side, but yeah, it might might cause uh, a little rift in the locker room. Got to be careful there. No, <laughs> I know I know I'm gonna get teased about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, Terry Nooner, associate head coach, KU women's basketball team. You can check them out on Thursday on the road against Arizona. You can hear it right here on KLWN or uh, stop by Allen Fieldhouse on Sunday against Wichita State. Appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Rock out. That was Terry Nooner, associate head coach for the KU women's basketball team. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We switch gears. NFL Monday over reactions next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on KLWN. And we had a sad NFL Sunday yesterday with the Chiefs. So let's overreact to... I'm, I'm so, so sad. ...what happened overall. Here's our NFL Monday overreactions. <coughs> Chiefs are the worst team in the NFL. No, I'm just joking. Are the Chiefs the worst team in the NFL? No. Okay. I guess I just stole your joke. You did. Sorry. Not okay. Where is my... Oh, here we go. Okay. Well, I'm not starting with this first. No, okay. I'm <laughs> skipping these first couple ones we got on here. Okay. The Eagles are actually, or maybe always they have been mm. since week one. It's like they're the, actually the, the best team. With yes. the, the guy, the, the is it is it, uh, is it What's the meme? There we go. What like He's looking at Earth, and it's like, it always has been. Yes, but what does the other guy say? He just says whatever you want him to. Like, Oh, that's the he meme? He says, so in this case, he would be like... Are the Eagles the best in the NFL? Wow, the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. And the guy behind him holding the gun would be like, always have been. Always have been. Is that uh, an overreaction? Boy, oh boy. Well, the problem is, if the Eagles are playing, honestly, any of the Chiefs, Bills, or even Bengals in the Super Bowl, I am going to take any of those three teams. So here's the problem I have with this one. The Titans suck. So this is less of an overreaction of the are the Eagles yeah, the best team in the NFL them. and more an overreaction of the Titans are actually bad, but everyone thinks they're good for no reason. But again, even even if you think they're just like an average team or not a good team, the fact that they killed them says something for the Eagles. And it's it's more so about the big picture here. The Eagles are, what, 11-1 now? Uh, Yeah. Nobody else has, I guess the Vikings are 10-2, and, and then everybody else has three losses or more. I think that if you're this, this goes back into the discussion of of how do we like with the college football playoff rankings. 
Well, how do we determine it? Is it the best four teams? Is it who we this, think okay, is going to win but, all the well, games? Or is it the most deserved? This has been a running issue of like, everyone agrees the AFC is way better than the NFC. Yes. So it's like, oh, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. Well, what does that mean? Or if you're the best team in the NFC, are you the fourth best team in the NFL mm-hmm. at this stage? Right? I mean, I don't know. That's a good point. I do think, though, if you went by most deserving, they are the best team in the NFL. But okay. if you're going by who Boom. you think wins, I'm not taking Derek it. Johnson has declared it. The Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Sure. Okay. The Lions. They're going to go to the Super Bowl in the next three years. Um, Overreaction. They just blew out the Jags, and you were like, oh, the Eagles just blew out the Titans. That, that stands for something. They just blew out the Jaguars. So you think blowing out the Titans is equal to blowing out the Jaguars? <laughs> I think it's similar. Okay. How many? I mean, how many more wins are the Titans going to end up with the season than the Jaguars? Three, two, three or four. So how much? How, how much of a difference is difference. that? You think so? I mean, if it, so this is an overreaction. Going twelve and five and nine I and think eight. This is an overreaction. Let yes. me lay it out for you. Okay. Jared Goff. Has the capability. I'm not saying he will. I mean, he's been to one before. Exactly. Super Bowl before. He has the capability to put together a good season and go Super Bowl. They have a lot of young talent. I'm on Ross St. Brown. They have two excellent running backs, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. They have a very young defense with some really good players. Aiden Hutchinson has been a better rookie this year that not a lot of people have talked about. The path, all I'm saying is, the path is there. Aaron Rodgers is, is fading away into obscurity. The Bears still suck. Yeah, you'll have to deal with the Vikings, but I mean, how much? I mean, it's Kirk Cousins. Come on. Yeah, he'll probably fade at some point. Well, the path is there for that. I just, I I view Jared Goff going to the Super Bowl with the Rams more so about they had everything kind of perfect around him. Yeah. What are the odds that, that another team yeah. gets it perfect around him? Okay, fine. And, and okay. that was perfect around him when he was on a rookie contract. Now you're doing okay. it on a bigger contract. But, but what if they go for, you know, some other quarterback that becomes available at some point? And... They have the extra first round Baker pick May- Baker Mayfield. from the LA Rams who are not good. So that could they be do. a high pick. It's going to be a high pick. Not yeah. Baker Mayfield. No. But somebody else <laughs> who's like actually good. Like what if Jimmy G? Jimmy G, again, not a guy who's like a no, top no, quarterback. No, 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 but I think no, he raises no, it from no, where Jared Goff is. No, no, no. Jimmy G only does good with a good defense. Maybe they could have one by then. Aiden Hutchinson. Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda. You get a couple first round picks in there. Okay. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm like making the case for See, you, but no, they will not be in the Super Bowl now in the next years. Okay. It's not that it's impossible because you did make a good path that, yeah, they could win the division and they could be kind of like what I guess the, the Eagles did last year, which is just barely maybe be a playoff team and then add all these first round picks. It's just that to begin with, the odds of making the Super Bowl within a three year span, unless you have one of those quarterbacks like a Mahomes or Allen. Okay. Is so just let's not rewind good. to 2015 and you say the Kansas City Chiefs will make a Super Bowl in the next three years. Would it have been crazy to say it then? In 2015? Or 26? Yeah, before they drafted Mahomes? Yeah. That's what I'm uh, saying. No, it would have been crazy because at that point they were like a playoff team. But it's still, the odds probably would have been no. Okay, so there you go. So yeah, no. All right, the Commanders and the Giants. It is 4.47 p.m. Central Time on Monday, <laughs> December 5th. The Commanders and Giants could still be playing right this moment, right this very second, uh-huh. and the game would still be tied. I'm all for it. I think it was tied at halftime, tied at the end of regulation, tied at the end of overtime. Yeah, I, I think they could play an infinite amount of time, and it would just it would find its way to a tie. Like, if they set the clock for 12 minutes, it would end up in a tie. If they set the clock for 15 minutes, it would end up in a tie. If they set the clock for 75 minutes, it would end up in a tie. I'm not saying it would remain tied through every quarter you would play. 
but by the end of it, they would find a way to tie. And I am expecting, I'm going to actually put a bet down the next time these two play. That it's going to be a tie. In Washington, that it's going to be a tie. You can probably get like 15 to 1 odds. So was this their first meeting? Or did they, did they yeah, play this already? this the first meeting. They okay, play so they play again? Mm-hmm. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. Not an overreaction. Okay. If you fake an injury, it should be a delay of game penalty. You should be ejected. You should be fined. Your team should forfeit draft picks. Okay. You should be relegated to the AFL. Sent to jail for life? Yeah, AFL. No, wait. Uh A USFL. You should be relegated to the USFL. No, AFL because AFL doesn't even exist. You should be relegated to nothing. Even better. Is that an overreaction? Yes, that is an overreaction. For those that are a bit confused by this one, this actually, we didn't talk about this in the Chiefs-Bengals segment, which we very well easily could have. The Chiefs had the ball in the red zone, and... Chiefs were trying to snap the ball. The Bengals were trying to make substitutions. And Jesse Bates, the safety for the Bengals, inexplicably, quote-unquote, cramped up. And if you look at the video, you will seriously question the quote-unquote aspect of this. Basically, the Bengals were trying to run guys on and off the field. The Chiefs were trying to snap the ball. And Jesse Bates falls down and has an injury, allegedly. And then he gets up and walks out the field fine. Okay? Now, listen. This is an overreaction. But seriously, if you if this happens, you should this should be a penalty in the game, I think. This should be a delay of game penalty. You're delaying the game. It should be a delay of game penalty against the defense. Is that not an overreaction? I think that actually is the proper reaction that could just be that, which would be like a five-yard penalty. But the problem is, how do you police it? What do you mean, how do you police do you it? The ref goes over to the guy, guy and says, injured. hey, are you injured? And the guy says, no, I fell down. Flat. You think he would be honest? You'd be like, no, I'm not injured. A blind guy could have seen that Jesse Bates was not actually injured. But what if he, because we see this all the time, guys who actually are injured and they try to stay up and then they can't stay up and fall down. So what but if the rest just, misconfuses it's just it? So it's just an obvious, I it's agree. an obvious it's thing. It's something that I don't it's think we It's an obvious thing. I think it's just an unfortunate side effect. <sighs> Anyways, I think the Chiefs ended up scoring anyways. Maybe so. you just, instead of, maybe to limit it, because right now there's just a rule where it's you have to be out one play if you're injured. Maybe make it like a couple plays. Yeah, okay. You could do that. Make it more costly. Okay. All right, the Seahawks. They're going to win the They're gonna win the AFC West. No mm. more Jimmy G with the Niners. Seahawks on a roll. Geno Smith playing elite. I mean, they they're barely gonna win. beat the Rams. They're going to win the NFC Without Matthew West. Stafford yesterday. So they're 7-5. and five. The 49ers are, what, 8-4? and four? Uh, Yeah. So they're game behind. Who won the first meeting? I assume the Niners, but I'm not positive. Have they even played yet? Yeah, because they play one more time. Um, <coughs> Let's see. The Seahawks, yeah, lost 27-7. to seven. Okay, so they would need to beat them when they play in Seattle, which is coming up not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. They play the Panthers at home. They should win that. At the Chiefs, probably a loss. And then Jets at home, Rams at home. You should at least go 1-1 one one there, maybe 2-0. and oh. If you can go 2-1 and one between those two games and the 49ers game at home, but you need one of them to be the 49ers, puts you at 3-2, and two, puts you at 10-7. and seven. Will the 49ers that good enough? finish... By lose by only winning two of their final games. Jimmy Garoppolo out for the season now. Obviously, Trey Lance is already hurt, but they still have the number one defense in the NFL. They play and they the, also they play the Raiders, play, the Cardinals, they do the Commanders. But I mean, the Bucks at home they could easily lose that. At Bucks, Seattle could easily lose that. Dang. Washington at home losable game. At Las Vegas, they're I don't know they're interesting now. Cardinals at home, there is a real chance that this could happen. I don't think Brock Purdy is very good. 
but still what? having you're hating on Brock Purdy. Okay, not good. I'm a little upset with Brock Purdy because uh-huh. uh, he was Mr. Irrelevant, right? Yeah. And so everyone was like, "Oh, Mr. Relevant, Mr. Relevant." And there was a stat that was like, "Brock Purdy is the first Mr. Relevant to ever throw a, a touchdown in an NFL game," which I think is dumb because Mr. Irrelevant is not inherently a quarterback, so it's not that impressive of a stat. Like, what are we doing? We're grasping at straws. Yeah. Well, I think that. I think that this is an overreaction. I would still go with the 49ers because I think the defense can eke them out at least two wins there, maybe three, and that probably could be enough. I don't think they'll make much noise in the playoffs. Are, you don't think the 49ers? That was going to be my question to you. Is what Are the 49ers going to do anything in the playoffs? Yeah, I guess, like, like here's a question. Who's better off? Baltimore? Well, because... Dude, you're stealing the next overreaction. Let me just get to it. Okay. All right. Derek, who is better off? Baltimore... Without uh, Lamar or San Francisco without Jimmy G. So I think team-wise, you could make the argument at San Francisco. They have a more established running scheme and running game that doesn't include like the quarterback having to take hits and, and run the football, just like a standard running game. They have better weapons, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. They have the better defense, and they don't blow leads late. So Lamar is on my fantasy team. So me personally, I am not better off with Baltimore without Lamar. Me personally, because he's on my fantasy team. So that's that's tough for me. Yes, <laughs> I do think the obvious answer here is San Francisco. I mean, I think I mean listen, San Francisco. You could you could put in any quarterback, and they would probably be pretty decent with the system they run. But remember the the stat. I mean, how like, hard is it to turn it off and run HB dive? How hard is that to do? You would think so. Um... But remember, there's that like stat for like Kyle Shanahan when Jimmy Garoppolo does not play. Is yeah, he, they're is he bad? They're eight and twenty nine. Wow, that is bad. When Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't start, so Jimmy G's just elite. Now this year's team, like some of those early Kyle Shanahan teams, didn't have they were just, again Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey yeah. or the number one defense in the NFL. They had a good defense, but maybe not number one. Um, Lamar, we saw Tyler Huntley, like he's been serviceable as backup. He's been pretty solid, but also we saw them lose what five or six straight to end last season without Lamar. Now you also have the other added. They barely beat the worst team in the NFL, the Broncos. Jimmy G is for sure out for the season. It sounds like Lamar could come back at some point. Yeah, I think he'll be back. Yeah. So that adds into it too that Baltimore could have him coming back at some point. So I guess maybe if we phrase this as which team is more likely to win a playoff game? Should the Niners sign Baker Mayfield? Yes. Would he start? Eventually, yes. But not right when they sign him. No, because you got to learn the scheme. You got to learn how to run HB dive? Dude, we got to go back and run that every single play. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just telling you, man. I think your comment about just telling a guy, the receiver, like, here, just do this on this play. No, it works. That is a little bit different. It's only worse for non-quarterbacks. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's a little bit different (laughs) for the guy who literally has to know what every other player on the field is doing. It doesn't quite work work the same with the quarterback. Which team do you think is more likely to win a playoff game? I'm taking the Niners. Okay. I'm taking the Niners. All right. Is this an overreaction? If you think Justin Herbert is on the same tier as Mahomes... Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, you should be banned from watching football. I'm down with this. Dude, okay, Mahomes obviously great. Josh Allen, great. Joe Burrow continues to show it great. Justin Herbert keeps getting lofted in this conversation. They play the Chiefs, and he plays really well against the Chiefs. And then they have games like last week 
against the Raiders where they lose and he's missing passes <laughs> and he looks not very good. And it's just like that's the difference between him and those other guys. Those other guys don't just do it in the big moments. They step up against bad opponents too. And he just kind of plays to his competition. I don't think it's really close, to be honest. Like, for me, it, it is, is those. It's Mahomes in Tier 1. Then I'd probably have Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Tier 2. Then I'd have a drop-off, and then there'd be Tier 3 with Justin Herbert. Yes. For, like, AFC quarterbacks. Yes, I agree. Like, like is Justin Herbert the fourth-best quarterback in the AFC? Probably, Maybe yes. Him or but Lamar, there's still a gap. Yeah. There's, still, there's still a sizable gap. All right, speaking of those quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, most clutch in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think that's an overreaction. I think it is. Just went to the Super Bowl last year. Like, they won all close games. He had to continually step up in the clutch. For as much as Patrick Mahomes has been clutch for the Chiefs and has stepped up over and over in clutch moments, when they've matched up, Joe Burrow's gotten the better of him in the big moments. Now, I'm just, Patrick Mahomes still a better quarterback than Joe Burrow, but I'm just mad know. that the Chiefs can't beat him. So that's why I think it, this is an overreaction. Okay, that's fair. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Okay, do the Chiefs have a Bengals problem in the same way that Peyton had a Patriots problem in his prime? Yeah, this is an overreaction, but I don't think it's a... It's an overreaction for sure. It's an overreaction because those games The Bengals were, would have to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs at least two more times, I think. I think at least one more. If they beat them in the playoffs this year, I'm probably ready to go there. That would be four in a row, two playoff in a row. But yeah, the difference is like the Patriots would beat the Colts like twenty to three. You know, they would they'd absolutely pound them and make it look like the Colts were not at all the same team. The Chiefs still like are putting up twenty four points. They're losing close. There's sometimes like in the game last year at Cincinnati, like you had horrible refereeing. This game early, you had some bad referee calls, but overall, it wasn't like a huge deal. Yeah, there was um, a bad rough in the past. Yeah. And a but very still, questionable passing. You've still done enough things and to where everything. Like, it's not a scheme thing where it's, oh, the Patriots just, just, you know, have the perfect scheme to prevent the Colts. It's just like, Chiefs are just messing up. Travis Kelsey fumbles. That never happens. Patrick Mahomes struggles in a second half of game in an overtime. That never <clears throat> happens. Uh, you miss a, a play at the end of the first half in the AFC Championship. You can't figure out how to double-team Jamar you're making Chase. Me, you're like, making me sad, man. Come on. All right. That's our NFL Monday overreaction. I'm going to be sad now. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is our CST. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. Kansas football is officially going to be playing in the Liberty Bowl. It'll be on December 28th. That's a Wednesday. Give me Liberty or give me uh, no other bowl game. No other bowl game. (laughs) No wins. Not what Missouri was saying. Um, oh, Arkansas, the opponent, Missouri. two six and six teams. Early lines have come out. Arkansas is favored by four and a half points. You can get Kansas at around plus one fifty, and the over under is sixty seven and a half. Ooh, projected a lot of high points. scoring. That's, That's very a lot. That's of actually points. one of the highest over unders of any of the bowl games. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Make it more fun, right? So it'll be in Memphis. It'll be at 4.30. We'll have pregame for you at 3 o'clock right here on KLWN. So we won't have a show that day uh, or that yeah. Monday either. So we'll just have a show that Tuesday to kind of talk about it and then recap whatever on on that Thursday, the day after. Um, we might be out there. We might not. I know Nick's going to be out there. Regardless. I'll be there. 
Yeah, I'll be there. So we're deciding uh, what will happen with the show. You might, yeah. But, yeah, I'll be there. Maybe I'll go around and uh, find KU fans and interview them. Ask them, you know. That'd be fun. Talk. Just random questions. Yeah, just be like, hey, where are you from? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what what brought you to the bowl game? What are you excited I like that. about? Nick on the street. Nick on the streets. Boom. There you go. I'm down for that. So if you're going to the bowl game, hit us up and tell me where you're at. I'll come find you. There we go. Uh, so we talked about it a little earlier in the show, and if you missed any of that, you can check it out on the Best of RCST podcast. Also, though, after the bowl game was announced, we got to hear from the athletic director with Travis Goff. We'll play the rest of this audio coming up on either tomorrow or Wednesday's show. Um, but here is one of the – or a couple of the clips. The, the first one is – him talking about how important this is, not just to make a bowl game, but the opportunity that is now presented in front of Kansas. Here is KU Athletic Director Travis Goff discussing that. This is a really important step in the progression of building this program, right? It's, um, it's justification in a lot of ways that the way in which Lance and the staff are building is exactly, precisely the way in which we have to build at KU to have some some chance to have sustained success. I think it's uh, validation that the support of the university, the athletic department, our fan base, our donors is achieving some of the things that we've all hoped for and believe were out there in front of us. And so having that validation of taking that really tangible step forward and being in being in position to compete in December, you know, Pretty pretty important step in that progression. So we're excited about that, and um, couldn't feel better for the group of guys again that have, that have sacrificed and worked so hard to be put in this position. And no question, they're going to make the most of this month, make the most of these practices, the team building and the, the bonding element. I think that's really important during bowl season. And then they're going to go represent University of Kansas real proudly down there in Memphis on December 28th. And so we were talking earlier about, you know, what we think the fan attendance will be. Certainly we think it'll be good traveling and, and KU fans will get very into this whole process. I oh, still remain sure. a little skeptical that it would be like quite a sellout, but I do think it'll be a very good showing. You'll see some of these other bowls if you're watching bowl season that it's legit like if, if the stadium holds 40,000, there might be 5,000 people there. And that's a lot of the smaller yeah. schools, for instance. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and like, you know, that, won't that, that was the this. question that I asked earlier. It's like, you know, what what's – I. I Obviously, KU's never been to a bowl, <laughs> so like, what's the standard for a bowl game between two six and six teams? Like, is it normally does it normally draw a decent crowd or like I don't know? I've never, I honestly have never paid attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, you will have Jayhawks kind of flooding the streets, and and what he talked about there is is important for other future bowls, right? The fact that yeah, the Liberty Bowl, you know, wanted KU, which we'll get to that clip here in a second. Um. I think is is indicative that if you have a good showing at a bowl game, other bowls are going to want you too. Yeah, so. a, I mean it's a you know it's a, it's national exposure, right? Every bowl game is going to be uh, probably on national television, right? So you're getting a chance to get some fresh eyeballs probably on your program, people that probably didn't really watch your your program that much during the season. Here is Travis Goff talking about how the Liberty Bowl really uh, made an effort and and wanted KU to be at their bowl. They they were honest August at uh, Dallas. Big 12 football, they were, they were talking to us, hey, when you guys hit six, and it could be this year, right? We all agreed it could be this year. We, we want Kansas at the Liberty Bowl. They were in Lawrence multiple times this fall. They stood by us over those, you know, those handful of weeks where we uh, 
you know, uh, uh, lost a few games, of course. And, um, and then, of course, just over these last couple days, they had opportunities to select other, other great Big 12 programs, and they, they took the Jayhawks. So I think it's a really strong statement, their belief in this program. A couple of interesting parts there that they were there multiple times in the fall. We obviously saw the time at the Texas game, but I guess there was another time that they were out there. So that wouldn't just be the one impression that they got kind of yeah. in Lawrence. I mean, okay, serious question. How, I mean, how much do you really think that even before the season they were – I mean, I you know, think listen, that's I'm, pretty I'm, standard I'm practice. I'm the most optimistic KU fan of all time, but do you really <laughs> think there was a Liberty Bowl guy who was preseason was thinking, hey – could get Kansas. Yeah, because I, I do think it's pretty standard you think, practice. You think it's more of just like a, they just kind of show up and they're like, hi, introduce yourself to every single yes. program and like, hey, what's up, you know? Yeah, because whatever. think about it. I mean, you already know going into the year, if you're the Liberty Bowl, we are a Big 12 versus SEC. So what are they going to do? They're going to familiarize themselves with the 10 Big 12 teams and the 14 SEC teams in yep. the offseason. So yeah, it's probably just like a standard procedure. They're, thing. they're doing a road trip and they're stopping by all the schools. They they make well, a trip like out. you know, like I think you were saying they were at like Big Twelve media, which would make sense. All the teams are there. Yeah, so you just go there and you oh, just yeah, exactly. say, you know, hey, we're from the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, and and you introduce yourselves and you probably have the like you talk to the different athletic directors and and they tell you about the program and and your story and yeah, you know that that's definitely part of it. But um, yeah, that's that's important to have a bowl game want you because again. Even if you maybe thought, and, and I was part of this camp, that maybe one of the Dallas Bulls would have been more enticing in terms of travel and the alumni hub and the weather, this is still a big deal. And the fact that a bowl game of the caliber that the Liberty Bowl, where they had the fourth pick among the different Big 12 bowl games here, you obviously didn't finish fourth in the Big 12. I guess even if you said, well, there was the extra slot for the playoff, you still didn't even finish fifth. They, they chose you below what the actual seeding might be. And yes, the Big yeah. 12 is so scattered together that there's really not that big of a difference between, say, Team 4 and, and Team 7 or 8 that made this a little bit more unique than other seasons. But that type of thing only happens because a, a bowl game is either really interested in your story and, more importantly, they think you can get a lot of fans out there that are going to buy their merchandise, that are going to buy their tickets, and also are going to travel out to their city. And yeah, in every that way, the, that's Kansas. I was just thinking, like, the Liberty Bowl is not really close or geographically located to any Big 12 school. Would West Virginia be close-ish? I don't think so. Would that be closer? No, I don't feel like it would be. Dude, West Virginia is like, it's out, it out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's out there, man. I don't know. Let's obviously see. Driving Memphis... from Morgantown to Memphis is about 11 and a half hours. Oh, yeah. Okay, so from... From Lawrence to Memphis, it's like seven and a half hours. Isn't so that it's short? Four hours closer. Yeah, you're right. It's like eight hours. Yeah. So it's four hours closer than Morgantown. And it's probably closer than, it's certainly closer than the Texas schools. Yeah, the question would be Iowa one of the State? Oklahoma ones. Stillwater is about seven hours. So it's about half an hour shorter. Okay. Um, Norman is about, about seven hours. So that's yeah. also about a half hour shorter. Iowa State's got to be further, I would think. Yeah, from Ames, it's about 10 hours. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And then Manhattan would obviously just be west of here, so that's obviously going to be further. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Big 12 should reconsider and get into some more geographically mm. located bowl games. But I guess also, that far but away. I guess on the flip side, like if you're the Big 12 or if you're any other conference, maybe you actually prefer your bowl games be in – like on the fringe of markets that you aren't actually in because you get exposed to new new people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, diversity. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a, maybe it's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this stuff works. <laughs> I'm not an athletic director or a commissioner or anything. Well, the last clip. This is certainly interesting. Again, we'll give you the full audio. Uh, we should on a interview show. Brett Yormark and ask him about that. Um, Do you think Brett Yormark listens to the show? Hmm, well, he's got to keep up to date with all the different schools. So why not? Oh, that's true. <laughs> Brett, come on down. So obviously the big story coming into this one was the whole Missouri thing. Is it going to be Kansas-Missouri? And then when you had Missouri basically not wanting to play in the game, uh, Travis Goff was asked about that. We really feel so excited about being in a bowl game. I mean, listen, we know where we've been. We're not about to get on a high horse about playing in this bowl game or playing against this kind of opponent. We were excited to play at whatever bowl game desired us and against whatever opponent that that would have been great too that would have been great too but we've got an awesome opponent in Arkansas from that same conference and it's a it's a great challenge and a great opportunity so that I think kind of shows the the difference Missouri basically tried to pick and choose Kansas was just saying you get what you get you don't throw fit right oh absolutely and that's that's how it should have been like if you're Kansas it's been 15 years oh I I don't give a damn what bowl we're going to I mean Come on, guys. Who cares? Any bowl. Thank you. And while Missouri's like, oh, we want to go play Kansas in the bowl game. Yeah. And then, on top of that, think about how Missouri handled it. They tweeted out some dumb BS about how, oh, that's not true. And then Eli Drinkwitz tweets out a ridiculous photo of, oh, we'll, we'll play anybody anywhere. Oh, yeah, we'll play anybody anywhere. No, you won't. No, you won't. Yeah, it's and certainly it's, it's going to add some luster the complete, to the uh, Kansas Missouri basketball the game. The complete and total class act that is Travis Scott mm-hmm. that says, "Hey, we're Kansas. We haven't been to a bowl game in 15 years. We don't. We don't care. We we'll play with anybody. See, but we, this, don't, we don't care what bowl game we're going this to. This probably worked out as perfectly for you, and as, as you could have imagined, because." You, you stated, <laughs> that, you stated, that Missouri you said, would whimper out. You said, I do not want to play Missouri just because I'll be stressed out about it. Right? Correct. Yeah, me, me personally. So you got you got the double win here. You didn't have to I worry did. about them playing Missouri. Yep. You don't have to stress out about the bowl game. And, and I get to clown on Missouri yes. for being cowards. <laughs> for being cowardly, hapless, no-spine losers. But it's not like I didn't already know that that's what they were. So it's just, you know... Further confirmation for everybody else. No, this Saturday's basketball game is going to like carry water for that whole conversation. You realize that now, right? Yes. Like how much is is up to that game now? And listen, it's a little scary. Listen, you know when I was, uh, I guess when you were going, I guess I don't know if you were like a Kansas fan when you were younger, mm-hmm. but like when I was growing up, you know, it was KU Missouri. Obviously, that was the big rivalry. K State, whatever. I don't care about them, right? Well, then Missouri leaves, obviously. So then it's like, okay, well, I guess we just have we have to be rivals with K State now because you know Missouri's left, whatever. But it, you know, it's always been KU Missouri, always. So, but yeah, just like they just like they uh, they left in 2013 or whatever, they couldn't face KU again. <clears throat> it's just yeah, that I I don't need to get back into spineless, this conversation. But... soulless, classless clowns. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Switching over to the the Chiefs. They fall last night, last evening to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, 27-24. I, uh, we, we covered most of the negatives early in the show. Is there anything positive to come away no, from yeah, the game I told, with? I told you the positive. Yeah. The positive was that the Bengals played a perfect game 
They played a literally a flawless game on pretty much in all pretty much all facets of the game. They were at home. They played their best game of the season. They played perfectly, and the Chiefs were up four with the ball in the fourth quarter. That's your positive. And the Chiefs played. The Chiefs didn't even show up to the game until late in the first quarter, until the second quarter. I, uh, so that, that's that's your positive. Your positive is the Chiefs didn't even, you know, they didn't even show up to the game until near the end of the first quarter, and the Bengals played as perfect of a game as I think you could play. I mean, I mean, legitimately, they averaged seven yards a carry with Samaj P. Ryan. Joe Burrow was efficient as as all get out. Dude, by the way, Samaj P. Ryan has quickly become like a solid running back. The well, that too, but like the. I, I feel like he should be disliked more by our area because of what he did against yeah. yeah yeah. I guess well, but it's like what point, do you, I mean, what are you going to dislike there about was so that? So much apathy. Like the for, dude just yeah. like okay, listen. You, it's one thing to get owned. It's another thing to just get like. There's not even a really a word to describe what happened with that game, <laughs> with him just running for a billion yards, right? Mm-hmm. Like what do you even like? How how can you even be upset about that? That's just a dude just being. So much, so far superior. How are you going to be upset? I think, and I, I think probably most Kansas fans have probably forgot about that. Honestly, well, that's I mean, it's not like that Kansas. It's not like that kept Kansas from going to a bowl <laughs> game or playing for the Big Twelve title. So there's already enough apathy there. And like, once you're down, once you've given up 200 rushing yards and you're down by 30 points, it's not like <laughs> you know you're not hanging on pins and needles if he's going to get 400. So I guess you're right from that standpoint. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I thought Isaiah Pacheco looked good again. Yep. Jerk McKinnon, solid. Yep. It was good to see Carlos Dunlap make that, that fourth down stop, kind of getting a little bit of revenge there, though. That was a nice play. The yeah. defensive line didn't get much pressure overall. Um, I thought Juju Joshua Williams. Good. Yeah, Joshua Williams was great. Juju had a good game. Yeah, I, I, I thought McDuffie, both McDuffie. McDuffie. Again, no, again, McDuffie and Williams, there were multiple throws throughout that game where I don't think you could have asked for much better coverage from those no. guys. And it was just a better throw from Burrow or a better catch from one of the receivers. It felt like, and that's the, what that's what I mean. Circling back to the the Bengals played a perfect yeah. game. Like the Chiefs, the, and their, the Chiefs defense had a bad game, unquestionably. So, but specifically, this their secondary with on the outside with Williams and McDuffie. Those two guys played really well. Yes, like they gave them they have nothing to hang their heads up. about. But yeah, they they were solid. Um, it felt like all of the Bengals' big plays in the passing game were just throws over the middle, which that's not really the corners. That's more of the safeties and the linebackers struggling in coverage. Like, think about it. Every big play the Bengals just threw, it felt like a post route or a slant over the middle. And those guys struggled. They did. And those guys, they really struggled with tackling as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think the corners played just fine for you on the outside. Yeah, I think you have some, I think you have some concerns about Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill mm-hmm. after that game. Because they didn't really, they didn't really make any big plays tackling wise, and they didn't really do anything in the in coverage. I think you have some, maybe some concerns about your safety position. hundred percent, which is not ideal because you just gave Justin Reed a big contract. Yeah, I guess Juan Thornhill's. I think he's a free agent after the end of this year. I think his rookie deal expires but again. The Chiefs played badly on defense. They didn't play particularly great on offense for the first quarter or so. And again, the Bengals played great. And the Chiefs, yet they still had the ball up late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's that's where the conversation gets tough because if this was just insert other NFL team, right? If this was the Eagles, if this was the Chargers, if this was 
the Vikings. You lose on a game like that, it's, yeah, that was frustrating, but it happens. The fact that it was the Bengals who beat you the well, last two times, feel similarly, that, that does add to it. I think you'd feel similarly if it were the Chargers. You'd Just feel similarly. It's an AFC West game. Well, you'd feel similarly in that you felt like you shouldn't have lost it. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, like, I think it adds to the fact that you, like, just haven't See, been able to beat Joe Burrow. I don't care about that, truly. Like, I, I think a lot of people do. I know that. other people do, like, national media people are going to have a field day with that stuff, but I personally don't care. It's one game. It's one game. That's all it is. That would be my mentality. If I were a player and going into a situation like that, that's easier said than done, obviously, but, like, still, I mean, that – that aspect of the story, while yes, is probably captivating for like casual whatever people, I personally don't care about it. Okay. I'm just saying if, if they play the Bengals again in the playoffs, that's not going to scare you a little more? No. No. It's not. That the Bengals might own the Chiefs? No. The Bengals don't own anything. So you know what they know. certainly don't own? They don't own a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> You know who's got one of those? Oh, the Chiefs do. Mm. Oh, how convenient. They should get another one, though. That would be cool. I, I would like really, really, really appreciate it. Like, really appreciate it. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, it is one game. Everything's still right in front of you. You uh, can still get the one seed. You have, I mean, your remaining schedule, you get the Broncos twice, who are horrible. You get the Raiders, who are actually kind of frisky now, and also they play really well against you, but still a game you should win. The Seahawks and Seahawks the Texans, home. right? Seahawks at home. Yeah. You should win out. And if you want to get the one seed, hey, but the Texans, the Texans tied the Colts and the Colts beat the Chiefs. Uh oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could okay. you imagine that? If, if Texans if, if beat the, the Chiefs, the Texans to prevent beat them. the Chiefs, I'm not coming in here the day after. Okay. <laughs> just FYI. Okay. I won't be here. He's Nick Springer. We'll see if he's there on uh, December, December 19th, 19th, I think. Yeah, the Monday after. I won't, I'm Derek I won't be Johnson. Here. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. KU football has a uh, couple new commitments to the team, one from the JUCO ranks, one from the high school ranks. We'll discuss on the other side.